Hi, I'm Susie Quattro. You're listening to the Rock Salad Podcast. to be this is small town music this is big town music he's ahead of his time you know but he can't use it if only he could prove it well tomorrow's just a song away a song away a song away hey everybody welcome to rock solid the comedy podcast for all things music both new and classic i'm pat francis and joining me today in the Zoom room, she's in London, England. She's she's the whole way across the pond. She's a rocker. She's a writer. She's uh she's an author, and uh and she's an actor. Everybody, welcome the legendary Susie Quattro. Hello, Susie. How are you doing? Hi. How you doing? I'm doing good. Is it you've been working on a new album? Yes. Uh the current album, which is No Control, was such a great success everywhere, written and produced with my son, which happened by accident. And they took up the option in January, February. And then in March, we were locked down. So my son should have been on the road with the band that he works for. I should have been on the road. And everything changed. I had 85 shows booked this year. He was only going to be home 11 days in the whole year. So... I said, okay, this has happened. The option's been taken up. Let's not get gloom and doom. Let's use this to write the album. So that's what we did. And I'll tell you what, what an album it's turned out to be. Oh, unbelievable. Now, are so you- every day we, just, we just let this whole atmosphere affect everything we were doing. You know, fantastic. Well, I mean, it's, uh, it's made you be creative. Even Maybe you didn't think you were going to have a new album or be recording a new album this quickly, but because of the pandemic, it's, it's forced you to be creative. Yeah, but I tell you what, what you have to do is force me not to be creative because <laughs> well, that's I, am true. Not, I am an artiste and I, I am that word. Uh, I'm not happy unless I'm creating. Right. It can be a poem. It can be a book. It can be a song. It can it, it can be a radio show. It can be a TV. Whatever it is, as long as I'm creating, I am happy. <laughs> well, you look happy, so that's good to know. I want to start by talking about uh, No Control. It was released in 2019, and again, like you said, you worked with your uh, with your son Richard. So it was interesting to see the Quattro Tucky writing credits, but it wasn't your former husband Len. Now it's your your son. This album was quite a surprise, and it is so, so good. I mean, it's better than I ever thought it would be, and I don't mean that as an insult. It's fantastic. This opening song, No Soul, No Control, sets the table. That's you. That song is me. It's me, (laughs) I know. (laughs) If you think I'm wrong, if you think I'm right, gotta play it strong, gotta Oh! 
Thank you for that compliment. And I want to give credit where credit is due. I'm, you know, very successful. 56 years now, sold 55 million records. I don't have anything left to prove. Um, I work because I want to. I don't need the money. I love what I do. I work because I have to win my heart and soul, which is the best way to work. Right. And my my son approached me about two years ago now, two and a bit. And he's always wanted to write with me. He's a good guitar player. But to be quite honest, I am a little bit, even my daughter too, I kind of go, and she's a great singer. I kind of go, stand on your own feet. You don't want to be famous because you're my son or daughter. Right. So I kind of didn't really embrace it. And then he finally came to me and he said, mom, I need to write with you. I went, you know what that means? That means, oh, you're ready. Right. So he showed me a couple licks and I just said, yeah. Now, I, I was surprised. I said, I like that. Took it away. Did what I did with it. We went in the studio. We did two demos and something else I was doing that. He, oh, something I was doing with KT Tunstall. We've made an album together, too. I told you I have to create. And um, <laughs> and we were doing the demos. And then, like, the third demo in was a song called Baseline, which is on the album. the next one I was going to talk about. And I do a bass solo. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> bass solo where that damn guitar solo should go. So we're on the third demo. And at this point, we're still having fun. That's good. I'm working with my son. What a surprise. What a joy. All of a sudden, I turned to my son and the engineer whose studio we used. And I said, you know what? This is serious. And everybody went quiet. I said, we're making an album. And everybody went quiet. It it just, honestly, I did not plan on this. Mm -hmm. And then I went, oh, and then that, you know, the penny drops. I went, okay, okay, this is serious. Wasn't expected. Now that this is happening and it's gone how it's gone for three songs, it's going to continue this way. This is what you love about this album and every critic loves right. about this album. I said, right. So there will be no pushing of any type of song. There will be no pressure of any type of song. Every song will have its own voice. We write what we write what we write. And it all happens organically or it doesn't go on the album. And everybody agreed. So what you've got is everybody's organic input. And it's kind of like my whole, like Richard says now, my son, he talks to me now and he says it. The last album was a combination of everything you've learned through all your years in the business. Right. But what Richard did, and that was what I was going to say, and he did it even more on this one because he got his confidence on album one together. He now really went to town. The first one he said to me, I and it, it annoyed me. And at the same time, it pleased me. He said, Mom, 
I'm going to remind you of who you are. Oh, excuse <laughs> me. <laughs> I grounded him. Anyway, uh, he, when I look at it now and I see what he's done on this album, he had a vision, he had an image, he had a, a memory of all the time growing up watching his mother on stage, and he had in his own head what I am. And this is what he wanted me to do again. Excellent. So even though I've never gone away from Susie Quattro, you know what I'm trying to right. say. He actually pushed my Susie Quattro buttons. <laughs> and on this album, he's gone even further. Because now he's, he's comfortable. He's comfortable now with you. Comfortable. As, as a, not like, that he's not comfortable with his mom. He's comfortable with you as, as a collaborating partner. He's comfortable with me as Susie Quattro. And we were doing the last album, the first session we did together. This says it all. Uh, you know, the first song that we wrote was sitting there, never written before together. Quite unusual. My son's across from me. I'm sitting across from him. Got a scratch mic up. I'm playing. He's playing. We're doing, uh, what was the first one we did? Don't Do Me Wrong. Mm -hmm. And he just stopped in the middle of the take. Just a demo. I said, what's the matter? And he said, oh, my God. I said, What? <laughs> All of a sudden, I'm sitting across from Susie Quattro. I went, yeah. And he went, nothing. Start the tape. So yeah, I'm. It was, it was a stand up and be counted moment, you know. Right. Because I don't see relationships when I'm working. I never have. I never will. When I'm working, I am in the zone, and I'm creating. So I don't care if you're God. I'm not going to acknowledge you. I'm creating. I just want you to know. Album, there's none of that. None of that. He's, he's, he's really, you know, he said to me the other day in the studio, I've really been a pain in the ass on this album and haven't. I said, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I laugh a lot during these interviews, Susie, because I'm just giddy with what you're saying, telling me already. I mean, it's very exciting. Think about this, though, Susie. A lot of kids would not want to work with their mom and dad. You know what I mean? Even if they're in the same vocation, they might not want to. And he's... This is a kind of a cool thing. I mean, it's a special bond that you obviously have with your kids if they want to do this with you. And their last name isn't Quattro, so they're not riding on no, your name. They're not. In fact, Richard uh, Richard has a thing about that. I mean, my, da my daughter, I told her when my daughter was starting, she was starting to sing. I said, if it will help you saying your Laura Quattro, which, by the way, is my grandmother's name. Mm -hmm. And then. Then it changed and she went back to her maiden name and now she's to her married name. But my son is is uh, the kind that he actually doesn't want to be ever introduced as my son. And I'm he always tells me, you're my hero. Mm -hmm. You are my hero. But at the same time, he's Richard Tucky. Right. And I respect him for that. You know, it's good. Well, if I somebody finds out he's my son, then, then fine. He says, yes, I am a blah, blah, blah. But... He doesn't want that to be his calling card. Good. That's good. You've, you've, uh, I, I don't want to say trained him. You've raised him well. Well, I'll tell you a little story and this says it all right. I never wanted famous kid brats. Right. You know, I just, I just didn't want that. So moved out in this country where I live now and sent them to a normal school. Didn't spoil them with money. Um, sure. They knew mom was famous. They came to gigs and all that. They sure. saw me on TV, blah, blah, blah. But uh, I always remember this very important. I think Laura was about six and Richard was four. And a photographer came to the house to do a big home piece. And he, I said, okay, go in the front room and set up in the front room and I'll go up and get changed and put a little bit of makeup on, you know, blah, sure. blah, blah. 
And I came down into the kitchen to make sure the kids were okay. We're eating lunch, dressed up in my leathers and a little bit of makeup. And my daughter, who was six, said to me, Mommy, are you going to be Susie Quattro now? <laughs> Doesn't that just say it all? It's like you're Batman. You put on your costume and all of a sudden now you're Susie Quattro. But I, but that isn't a phony thing. That is no. me. But there is a difference. Right. I, I don't, I don't need to take the public side of me to the private side. I like the differences. I like to be normal off stage and that on stage. And it's both of them are me. I couldn't, one couldn't exist without the other. But um, I thought it was pretty amazing that she said that. And I felt very proud of myself that I think I raised him right. You know, you did. I want to also say that uh, your voice sounds better than ever on this no control album there's like a soulfulness and a maturity and and there's a weight to your voice right now that uh that adds um adds punch to every single word that you sing i mean i, I you know i'm kissing your ass a little bit but i'm being honest no but kiss away um <laughs> what what is funny is that and i've said it in many interviews um you're supposed to by the normal way the life goes as you get older, your vocal capabilities are supposed to go a little bit down. It might have gone up. And I don't understand it, but I'm not going to question it. No, uh, it's a gift. I Yeah, it is. And maybe that I grew up in a musical family, so I knew how to use my voice. Um, and maturity has done a certain thing. And it's a compliment. I go up on stage and I finish my rock and roll set with a ballad. And you can hear a pin drop. Yeah. So that says that says something. I don't even want to question it. Why has my voice done that? I don't know. I'm singing better than ever. I don't get it, and I don't want to get it. No, just, just keep doing it. it. Just, just keep enjoying. doing it. But thank you very much. Mike Chapman, on the last album we did to him with him, uh, and he knows my voice better than anybody, mm -hmm. in the spotlight, which I can't remember what year was, 2009. Anyway, during one of the tracks, and, and you know he's recorded me since 1973, and he just stopped the tape. And I said, what's the matter? He said, I always loved your voice, but I love what life has done to it now. Same thing you just said. Yeah. So, yeah, there is a weight to it now, isn't there? There's a belief. Not that there wasn't, but I think Mike said it right. There's life in there now. There's uh, experience. Right. Experience. That's a good way to put it. Uh, also, another great track on No Control that I love is this song called Heavy Duty. I just love that sax solo in the middle. So cool. It makes me laugh because um, certain songs go to the stage and certain songs don't. Right. And I do a set full of hits, you know, sure. with favorite album tracks from 73 to nowadays. So certain songs go in. 
And this particular song, Heavy Duty, my very cool front of house, you know, and he's, 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 he, when we were rehearsing the five songs that went into the show, he said, that's my favorite. I said, why? He said, it's just a great rock number. It's true. <laughs> it's true. And we tried to do um, Love Isn't Fair live. And as great of a song as that is, everybody loves it. It didn't suit my, my show. Nobody told me that love isn't fair. And when you hold me close, do you really care? Do you really care? Nobody warned me never to fall. Keep a little piece of your heart. Don't give it all. It's, it's okay on the album, right. but it didn't go into the show. Uh, what's made it to the set is um, No Control, Heavy Duty, The Heart on the Line, which is the ballad at the end, which we do a power ballad. It starts acoustic and goes big. God, what else is in there? Macho Man, which is a great track. Right. Um, oh my God, I know him. And his bass line is bass line in the set. No, and I'd like to do that one, but it's more of a. That's a musician song. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's just, you know, and I mean, I Rich, I don't remember doing this. Richard said while we were working on this and writing away, he's he said I called him at like twelve o'clock at night. I don't remember this, but he's not a liar. And I said, Richard, I want I want something Santana. And she went, okay. <laughs> he came up with this riff. Yeah. And we were doing it outside. And I said, no, this is electric. We went in the front room. We plugged in. It's so strange how songs grow. And he played me the riff. And I went, right. And I, for some God knows reason, because I'm not normally this kind of a bass player. I'm a bass player. Right. I'm not a show bass player. I'm a bass player. And I said, oh. And I started to play lead bass on it. Nice. And I don't know where it came from. And I said, this is called Baseline. And Richard said, it is. All of a sudden, there was the song. <laughs> and then when, it, when we put it down in the studio, Richard said, Mom, you have to do the solo on the bass. I said, oh, but, you know, don't have to talk me into it, do you? I said, okay. <laughs> uh, I want to go back. That you just you brought up the album in the spotlight, which was actually, it was 2011. So, you know, nine years well, ago, was, 2011. Uh, Mike Chapman is producing. How important to your career was Mike Chapman? And I don't mean that in um uh what do I in a Svengali type of a way. I, I think I my my opinion is that he helped nurture your uh 
God-given talent. How important is he to you in your career? Uh, well, it's a, it's a double-edged question. Um, everybody along the way is important to you. Every right. person that believes in you, you know? Yeah, but you've just worked so uh, much course, with him in the past. So I have. So first of all, Mickey Most believed in me, brought me over to England. Absolutely. But Mickey Most could not get on the tape what I was. He just... He knew I was a star. That that's what he kept saying. You've got it. You've got it. But he couldn't quite translate it. And then we got a then I got a band together, mm -hmm. and um, I was doing all my own songs. And he signed Chen and Chapman. We went on the road and we developed our sound. And Mickey played what he had done to Mike. And Mike mm -hmm. went, "Oh." And Mickey said, "What?" <laughs> he said, "Well, I see her all the time. Yeah, it's not what I thought. I thought she's going to have a lot more balls." And Mickey went, "Oh." Oh, so then he said, can you write her something? And Mike said, I think so. And then when he wrote Can the Can, and we arranged it with the band, which is all the band. Mickey then said, why don't you do the production, which was, I think, very hard for Mickey to hand over. But smart, was, but smart. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's Mike. So Mike, um, God, he was able to translate my natural uniqueness onto the record. Right. That's what he was able to do. We had a great relationship. We, he wrote for me. I wrote for myself. Sometimes it got confused who wrote what. I mean, there's a great story. We were putting down uh, Mama's Boy. on the Susie and other four-letter words album. And I was putting down the vocal. And I got quite annoyed, and I stopped singing. And I said, Mike, do me a favor after all these years. Can you just write me a song that I have a space to breathe during the singing? <laughs> and he said, Susie, you wrote this one. I went, oh, my God. Fine. <laughs> Is that you, great? You need to give yourself a place to breathe. <laughs> yeah, I did. But it's funny that I didn't see the difference. That's the thing. So we did marry quite well. Mm -hmm. um, we both had our own things, you know, when even the B-sides, I mean, that I wrote with Richard's father, Len, it was so crazy putting El Tucky and our Tucky, then very strange. Yeah. Um, and by the way, he's over here all the time. He was around during the last recording of the album, and he's around at this one. He likes to be involved just to listen. But um, you're talking about Len. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. We're still good friends. Good, good. Together for 20 years. Yeah. It's, it's, it's all good. Everything, everything is what goes around, comes around, you know? That's the part in the, well, first of all, in the spotlight has some great tunes on it. I love whatever love is was, was written by Holly Knight and Chapman.
Such a, a great song. song, such a great, and that's a good album that too. Yeah, that made it onto the stage. That was a good live number, and one of my favorites from that album. First of all, one I wrote called "Hurt with You," which I love because it's a real story. Um, and in the spotlight, I really liked doing that live. That also made it onto the stage. Darling, everybody knows who you are. When you walk into a room, you are a star. But loving you has put me in the spotlight too. And in your spotlight. And then a song that you wrote, Singing with Angels, you performed this with the Jordanaires. And James Burton. I heard your voice late last night. I heard you say, are you lonesome tonight? I saw you crying in the chapel light. Love me tender and treat me nice. Lonely boy got the GI blues. That's all right, mama's watching over you Wise men say if you don't be cruel You'll get to heaven wearing blue suede shoes Singing with angels Singing with angels Safe in God's promised land Singing with angels Walking hand in hand Hand in hand A big Elvis fan, I imagine? Huge. Mm -hmm. Since the age of five and a half going on six, mm -hmm. um, I saw him on the Ed Sullivan show, which, you know, every family watched sure. on a Sunday night, eight o'clock. And um, I had one sister. I had a lot of sisters, but the one was nine years older. So she was screaming. He came on and did don't, don't be cool at the end of the show. And I was looking at her at five and a half thinking, what's the matter with you? And then I went into the television and I, I actually dove into the television and <laughs> I had the light bulb moment at five and a half that I was going to do what he did. I knew it. I'm doing that. That's and amazing. Enough, yeah, It never occurred to me. He was a guy and I was a girl. It didn't even go into my brain. Just I'm going to do that. And, you know, there's a lot of it's too long. Your program isn't long enough. Um there's at least 12 Elvis epiphanies, but the final one, I think, 
was me writing this song for him, Singing with Angels, and then I was uh, able to record it in Nashville with the Jordanaires and James Burton. And they both have said it's the best Elvis tribute they've heard. So I'm like, oh. You, you know. can't get any better compliment than that. That must have been a thrill no. for you to record with the Jordanaires. That's... Oh, I didn't, goosebump. Th- that they're still around is amazing. <laughs> I know, I know. And one of the guys, he did die now, Gordon Stoker. He had been in the hospital. And we went to Nashville to do this record with Andy Scott producing. Um, and he showed up. And, I, and he came out of the hospital to do this session because he loved the song so much. And I remember saying to him, you're here. You're here. And he said, of course I'm here. And I'm glad to be anywhere. I said, okay. <laughs> nice. He passed away, but he was on that record. That's great. Historical. Was, was that his last recorded appearance, possibly? I think so. I think it was. Excellent. And he made it to that session. Oh. Unbelievable. Wow. Yeah, so, wow. What a compliment. You brought up uh, you brought up your sisters. I, I, so I'm just going to jump around to my notes whenever we hit upon something that I wanted to talk about. First of all, the documentary Suzy Q is a revelation for me. And I'm going to have to be honest, Suzy. I'm part of the problem when it comes to Suzy Quattro not breaking in America. Because it's a big problem with a lot of people. It's a br- and I, I'm not afraid to admit it. This documentary is so great. It it got me into all this music so late in my life. And yet I'm happy that I finally found your music. I've been listening to every single album for weeks and weeks since, uh, since watching this documentary. Plus finding the CDs is difficult. I've been on eBay. I've been everywhere getting all your music and it is, it's fantastic. It's, um, and I'm a big Joan Jett fan, a huge Joan Jett fan. And, no slight on Joan, but there is no Joan Jet without Susie Quattro. And I, I feel oh, she, oh, sir. she even says it in the documentary. Yeah, I know. And I just but I just feel um I, I wish I knew your music when I was a teenager. I, I think Amara, I think I think they addressed it correctly in the in the documentary. Mm-hmm. It was a little bit too early for America. I was huge everywhere else. Like yeah. They weren't quite you were stuck in Eagle Land and Linda Rodstand and all that. Right. And then when I did Happy Days as a bass playing leather clad girl, you know, yeah. then America went, Oh, this is okay. <laughs> and as the timing went, Stumbling In came along, which wasn't really me, but a huge hit. Yes. A great record. Then Joan was able to come along and do it. Right. They accepted it. You paved, accepted yeah, the, you paved the way. No, it's fine. She knows that. It's it's fine. Well, however it happens, it yes. happens. And the great thing is, is everybody's discovering me now all over again. So whether or not they knew me as Susie Quattro or Leather Tuscadero or just discovering me now, it doesn't matter. You got there. And you're still here. Yes. So we can still enjoy you. I'm making a new album as we speak. Cherie Curry was on my show uh, last summer. I and love her. She, she's fantastic. And another person whose voice is better now. That uh, that Roxy Roller uh, YouTube video that you two did with Nick Gilder it's incredible. I can't believe, and I can't believe how great Cherie's voice is now. But when she was on my podcast, when she was on the show, I said to her, I said, you know, when the runaways get in the rock and roll hall of fame, you guys will perform. Right. And she says, it's on the show. She says, I'm not going into the rock and roll hall of fame unless Susie Quattro is there first. I love, I love That's what she said. And I said, I, know, I, I love, 
I've actually invited her to do a track with me on my current on the album I'm doing right I, now. Because, I hope it works. Oh no, we're doing it. She's oh, you are doing it. Okay, good. Yeah, she's already doing her vocal. I uh, I just love her. She's been such a great support, you know, and, mm -hmm. and what a lovely girl. And and we're friends. You yeah, know? we became friends through all this stuff, and now we're just, you know, it's good. It's good. Now, in the documentary, we're just talking about your sisters briefly. I don't know what the, your relationship was with your sisters prior to doing this documentary, but did the documentary force everyone in your family to like come to terms with the past and things that that have happened? And and um, maybe I'm out of line asking that, but it it, it felt like the documentary might have helped to uh, mend some fences. No, I think uh, I think it broke some fences. Actually, it did. Okay. Uh, yeah, I think so because. Well, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to hear that. No, it, uh, me too. Me too. Big time. Um, they, I, I said to the director when we decided to do this documentary, I said to him, "Ground rules are just like I did with No Control. Mm -hmm. Here's the ground rules. I have editing rights because it's my life story. Okay, and I don't want any bullshit in there. Good for you. But I promise you, I will not use my editing rights to stop anybody speaking their truth." Or saying what is actually happened, anything like that. If it's important to the story, it's in. Even if I'm uncomfortable, there were many times in my documentary that I was uncomfortable. And when I do my Q and A's, I'm I'm in person in a theater. There were times I wanted to crawl out on my hands and knees. Yeah. Stayed my I stayed there and I went nope 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 nope. And the best parts in the film, they're the best parts because it's honest and it shows you're vulnerable and that's fine. Um, the two of them haven't spoken to me since viewing the film. I let them have the platform. There's no script. I wasn't anywhere near the interviews. Right. They talked to the guy themselves. He asked the questions. Um, so I can only think that they didn't like the way they looked. Yeah. But that's their problem. That's yeah. not my problem. Well, now I didn't ask the questions, you know? Yeah. And now knowing that you had editing control and put everything out there, words and all, now I like it even more. <laughs> Here's what I want to say, I though. Yeah. yeah, I wouldn't take it out. I, I, even Like I said, the uncomfortable bits, I went, oh, and you know, you want and I went, no, 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 no. This is how they feel. Mm -hmm. Let them speak their mind and let them speak their mind. And then they hated me for them speaking their mind. One sister has now been in touch. The other sister hasn't. I'm hoping it'll fix itself. Yeah. I'm not mad at either of them. I've had no argument. Sure. But I'm not, I'm not chasing anybody because yeah. I've done nothing. I've done nothing wrong, but tell my story. Yeah. Here's what, I, here's what truth. I'll say. I don't know. I don't know if it's, if it's a, a resentment or a jealousy of, of your success, but here's the thing that you did, Susie, at a very young age, how old were you when you moved to England? Were you 18, 17? 21. How much? How old? 21. 21. You didn't stay in Detroit and wait for something to happen. You went out and got it. I did. You went out and got it and, and you earned it and you worked your ass off. And for anyone to be resentful or jealous or whatever it might be, that's ridiculous. It is. And that's why I don't want to buy into it. Right. And, and you shouldn't. And no, I won't. And I won't. Although the only part that I will never, ever change, and I don't want, actually, I don't want to change it, is I don't want to be hardened to the need of wanting their approval, because otherwise I'm not going to be the artist I am. Exactly. 
I will always want that. And I'm honest enough to say so. It will always hurt me. Mm -hmm. But I also am honest enough to say that, you know, I say it, I admit it. I can't change it, but I'm doing better. I'm not chasing anybody anymore. When you see something blown up on the big screen, you can't deny the reality of it. No, no, you can't. It's right there. So you're faced with all your demons and you're faced with all your angels, both, yeah. you know? Yeah. 17 studio albums. Oh. Over 50 million albums sold worldwide. Even though you never broke in America the way you did around the world, is that like, like the, the British artists, their thing is they always wanted to break in America. You're an American and you broke everywhere else but America. It's like such a, it's such a weird thing, but you're still happy. You would rather have success worldwide and not in America than not have success at all. Correct? Oh God. Yeah. yeah. In fact, you take, you take your path as it comes. I mean, Everybody in America knows who I am. They always did, even in 73, when I went back, they did right. me and the Pleasure Seekers. But everything has its own little path to follow. And I had my path to follow. And now this seems to be my path, you know. Yeah. Um, now the documentary comes out. Now the movie, the script is done. And there's some big people lined up, I tell you now. Wait a minute. So there's the a Wait, there's going to be a biopic? Huge. How could, no, let me ask you something. How could a biopic <laughs> get us any deeper than the documentary did? Because you can delve into the questions. And, okay. And is the documentary. You can allow the moments, allow the moments for the emotion to really show. You know? All right. Good. It's, I got it. You're, you're it. So you maybe sometimes I did when I watched that. Talk, oh, I wish we could hear more, but it is a documentary, a whole different thing, a movie. I've been hands on with it. We've got some big people lined up. Um, I'm very involved. Um, is this going to be based on your autobiography unzipped? It's going to be based on my life. Okay. <laughs> and it's again going to be the truth. All right. Because I don't know how to deal any other way. Looking forward to it. Um, four and a half years to make this documentary. Hopefully the, uh, the movie will be made quicker than that. Well, we just had the first draft of the script done two days ago. We're now lining up the director, the company, the this, the that, who's going to star in it. Da, 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 da. So I'm excited. It's been on my bucket list for a long Man, time. You are busy. I love it. On your website, it says, I will retire when I go on stage, shake my ass, and there is silence. That still holds true? <laughs> yeah, it hasn't happened yet. <laughs> I always I always try to back into a room, believe me. <laughs> In the documentary, when they put the band together, uh, Len Tucky and Dave Neal, those guys were around for eight albums. Like when I was watching the documentary, I'm like, Oh, these guys will be around for a while. And then they'll bring in other guys or whatever. That's, that was the Susie Quattro band. Quattro, Tucky and Neil. Yeah, it was a good, it was a good group. We, we kind of gelled right away. Mm -hmm. uh, Lenny and I of course fell in love. We were together for 20 years. That was so another was thing fun. that was amazing. Cause I, we, I see this big burly guy and this tiny little girl. And then I think you just, all of a sudden you go, and then we fell in love. And I was like, what, what, this is great. This is unbelievable. And I, but it, but it was, but it was joyful too. We're still good friends now, which is good. I mean, we had 20 years together, two kids and a granddaughter, you know, and uh, he's one of the good guys. I've been married now for 27 years to my second husband, but I have not a problem in saying I've been married to two good guys. That's good. That's good. I, I would, I would hope that for, I, I, I proposed to both of them. <laughs> and did they both say yes the first time? Immediately. Good. 
<laughs> well, then they knew they had a good woman. <laughs> yeah, they, I am a good woman. That I am. <laughs> we're, um, how now? How tall are you, Susie? How how what what is your height? Five foot two. Five foot two. So that's why the base looks gigantic in your hands. Yeah, but it's not big. It's just I'm little. Okay. You know. Yes. It's, and it never occurred to me, and it would, wouldn't occur to me now. Why the hell should I play a smaller base? No. Why? 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 No, that's what you're comfortable with. Why? Why downsize? Do you look for, do you look for a shorter stairs to climb? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Just, you do what you do. That was what I was given. I was given the Fender Precision, so I didn't even know there were smaller bases. That's what I learned, and that's what I'm comfortable with. Good. Good. Let's get back to these band members. When you're in photos with those guys, it's it's almost hysterical because they're they, they're just like these big, tough looking dudes. On the road, were they other than Len, who was who were you you were coupled up with? Were the other two guys like brothers? Did they were they always like watching out for you? I, you know what I mean? If the fans got too close or if it was getting too chaotic, were were they like your support system? Like even on the. Uh, agrophobia album that's what kind of what it looks like they're like hey back off a second yeah i mean the pictures were taken with that image in mind um they were always looking after me sure but the truth be i look after myself i've got a very quick mouth yes and that keeps people at bay it keeps the idiots away i i have a retort like that and i'm able to stop the jerks at 10 paces just with one comment. I, I have that ability. I don't know why. I needed it. I'm only a little girl. So before the Lennies came along to protect me, yeah. I had to protect myself. So I learned how to how to fend for myself, basically. And there are parts in the documentary where an interviewer would say something and you you can just see it in your eye. You're just like, Well, what a stupid question that is. You know, and you give them a look and then you have <laughs> and and you have a retort, but it was uh yeah, it was, it was fantastic. There's one part in the documentary, though. My wife, uh, my wife comes into the room. I'm watching the documentary for my second time. She asks me what I'm watching. I tell her. She goes, didn't you just watch that? I go, yeah, but I'm watching it again. So she sits down. <laughs> she starts watching it. And the part when you're on the talk show and the guy smacks you on the butt, my wife, turn, my wife turns to me and my wife yeah. says, now that pisses me off. That's yes. what my wife said. And I was like... Yeah how that would never happen now hopefully but um what was how did you deal with stuff like that it really yeah it makes you angry when you see that now i mean you can say that's how it was but it shouldn't be no no it's not how it was he's dead now he was gay by the way okay okay i had just won and i was in every paper rear of the year okay well that seems odd also but okay so he had a huge talk show you're live by Mm -hmm. the way yeah i have to stress live i am a professional yeah and he picked his moment when he said turn around i thought okay i've done that a few times sure sure he went like that and he did it quite cute in my brain like lightning yeah as i was around if you watch it you'll see me slowly turning around in my brain i went oh my god I'm going to knee him in the balls. Do I hit him? Do I do? And I went live TV. And by the time I turned around, I went and I let it go. Okay. Um, if he would have done that backstage, he would have been singing soprano for the rest of his life. Was there any, but he picked his moment. He picked his moment. Um, but it's kind of a, it's kind of a, it's kind of an underhanded thing to pick your moment. Cause he knew you were vulnerable in that. And, and if you did anything or lashed out, you would look he bad. He knew I was a professional. Yeah. And he knew that if he did it then, that my professionalism would say, yeah. wait a minute. 
And I turned around and sat down, but um, what a jerk to yeah. do that. Did you say anything and after, have, did you say anything after the fact or did you just let it go completely? I let it go because I, because I decided to, for the okay. sake of the show, you yeah. most saw it and said you did the right thing. All right. And you know, it's, it's one of those crazy situations. Oh my God. Yeah. It's but you know, I'm glad you kept that in too, because it shows uh, how times have hopefully changed, you know? And what about Len? Was he backstage thinking, what the fuck? I'm going to break this guy's neck. He, well, he knows, he knows I can handle myself, okay. but I was just so annoyed at that. I didn't know what to do about it. Well, I, I, I would have known what to do off stage. I didn't know yeah. what to do on stage. And I, I followed my instinct. And what could have happened was, which also ran through my brain like lightning, because I'm a very quick thinker. And Mickey, Mickey said it to me when I came off the show. Had I done something and reacted and maybe hit him or played up or yeah. whatever, the press would have completely turned it around on me. Absolutely, they would have. Said, oh, what a diva. He playfully slapped her ass. After all, she was rear of the year. Uh, Didn't mean anything. Yeah. Like, what's the matter with her? One of our most beloved talk show. So it could have turned on Yeah, so you did the right thing. I had, as I turned around, I thought, let it go. And then he died after that, but what a jerk. What yeah. a jerk to pick his mother. Absolutely. You know, like that. Also, I don't mean to keep saying, um, I don't mean to keep bringing it up about Len or the other guys taking care of you. Like you can't take care of yourself. I'm coming from the fact that I have two daughters and I have a wife and um, I'm just coming from where, how I would feel if these things happen to them, even though they can also take care of themselves, I would be pissed off big time. He was pissed off. Okay. He was pissed off. Cool. There's been maybe three or four times and then he had to, you know, but most of the time I'm, I'm okay myself, but if I needed something, somebody to take care of me, they, they, they would be, you, they would them. be there. You could call on them. All right. Let's get into these albums. Now let's go back. 1973 Susie Quattro album produced by Mike Chapman and Nikki chin. Um, if you don't want to answer this question, you can, you can tell me, but uh, when Holly Knight was on the show, uh, she told me that, the Chapman Chin um, partnership is in writing only, and that really Chin didn't do a lot of writing or a lot of producing. I, I don't know how hands-on he was or not. He had nothing to do with any with him when I started up with him. Okay, he didn't even know her. Okay, it was just Mike Chapman. Nikki Chin was more the business guy. Business guy. They were partners. They were partners. And Mike was the one in the studio. That's okay. the one we dealt with. 73, 74, 75, yeah. 70, not 76. He took a break. 77, 78, 79, 1980. And then I went with uh, another label. Then I had kids. Everything moved around. Right. At that point. No. All she right. was never back then. Gotcha. Okay. Can the Can goes to number two in the UK. and um, Number one. It went to number one. Why? Why do I have number two? You shouldn't. I shouldn't. <laughs> well, thank you. That's why you're here. Can the can goes to number one. <laughs>
What does can the can mean? So can the can, it was a crazy, Mike is just nuts anyway. I love him to pieces. He's off the wall. Um, it was uh, made of like an American phrase of when you want to keep something safe and you say, oh, can it, you put it in the can. Gotcha. So I think that's what I'm going to grab some more. You can keep talking. Sure. Uh, another, another great, such a great song on this album is 48 Crash. And again, what does 48 crash mean? Male menopause. <laughs> is that what it now really means? Now, now you're done on that one. Now there's no more questions. <laughs> <laughs> Male menopause. Wow. I would have never, I would have never put that. I didn't know what, I didn't know if it was a, uh, there was a car made in 48 and it's crap. I mean, you know, I'm reading these lyrics and I'm just, I just, but I'm grooving to it and I love it. But yeah, I had no idea what that meant either. These albums, you know, we have the, the Chapman songs are, are usually picked as the singles, but there are great songs that you and Len wrote. Glycerine Queen is a, it's a jam. It's a, it's yeah, it's a killer. It was out of this as a single some places. Um, it's been on my live stage as a featured number since mm. the day it was written. And I actually do my bass solo during it too. It's so great. So yeah, pretty good song. And in fact, all my B-sides, Mike actually said to uh, to us when we started to work together, I don't want to put something just throw away on the B-sides. I want the B-sides to be great and everybody loves our B-sides. So we just had the arrangement that they provided the hits, but... I had my own two that I wrote, but it, it just kind of worked that way. You and, know, it did. And, and I was able to concentrate on just writing what I wanted to write without having to worry about it being a three minute commercial. Right. You know? the, and there's, there's so much music. Like you said, there's, there's album tracks, there's singles, there's B sides. You guys were just 
once you got the opportunity, Susie, you were just working it hard. I'm doing it now still, you know. It's crazy. I just wrote an album with Katie Tunstall. Um, we did. Who's in the documentary? She's in the documentary. Yeah. So we've got something in the studio that's there, but my album has to come up first. I just wrote another 14 songs with my son. I completed my lyric book during lockdown. I'm now writing um, the movie stuff. It's, it's I just keep going. <laughs> I, I'm creative. What can I say? And how are you, how are you, uh, you look fantastic. How do you feel? Do you feel as invigorated as you always have? Oh God, always. I mean, thank you. I'm 70 now and I'm sitting here with no makeup. I'm just, and you look, you, I'm serious. You look great. I don't want to sound like the guy who smacked you on the butt, but you look fantastic. You really do. (laughs) Um, I, I, you know, everybody says, what's your secret? My secret is I actually don't give a shit how old I am. And I never have. Good. And I say it on stage, you know, I will say my birthday and everything and I, I embrace it. And I'm not chasing 30. I'm happy to be 70. Mm-hmm. But apparently, my son said I was six emotionally and now I'm seven. <laughs> I love this guy. I love this. I love this Richard. <laughs> He's a great guy. Um, 1974, the Quattro album. The album kicks off with the wild one, but it's. Why it's wildly different from the single version. I don't know why, like, like sweet Fox on the run. There's an album version and a single version. And those are wildly different. Why two versions? Why not just have the single right, version? Just- Yeah, it's crazy. Um, Mike had this song and he brought it in for Mickey to hear it and approve because it was going to be the next single. And Mickey said, oh, you know, you're sounding a bit formulized what you're writing for now. And maybe you should try to take the song and twist it, which we did. Mm-hmm. We twisted it. And it's a great version. A lot of people love the slow version. But then after both versions were recorded, we then went to Mickey, Lenny and I, we said, Mickey, this this is the single version. Yeah, And he agreed. You agreed. But I do love the slow one too. It just, it was Mickey's suggestion. All right. And then he went with the single version after all, you know? So yeah, it's two versions. Well, and that opens my show. That's my opening number in my stage show. And for the fans, both versions are out there, which is fantastic. Yes. All uh, my life, I wanted to be somebody and here I am. Da-da-da. <laughs> <laughs> the, um, when was the last time Susie Quattro did uh, like a proper Susie Quattro sh- full show in America? That would have been in Canada. I did the, uh, the the Cree River Casino, whatever it's called in Edmonton. 5,000 people came, sold out. Yeah. Fantastic, two nights. Um, and I did the full-blown two-hour show with an interval, but not in America. And people keep trying to get me to come back there. I think 
this documentary and the coming movie will see me touring America again. I know everybody keeps trying to get me back there. It will happen. It will. Eventually, I mean, I'll come. I live in Los Angeles, so I, I assume that when you come, I'll have a chance to see you. Sure. Because why, why, wouldn't, why, wouldn't you, why wouldn't you come to L.A. or New York or the big places? For, for sure. For sure, yeah. So, yeah, I hope... I, I hope yeah, I hope all this stuff, uh, yeah, gets you here. I mean, it would be fantastic. I, I, I think before my time is up, I will do a few tours of America. I feel it coming. So cool, and that is a promise. Excellent. Nineteen seventy-five. Your mama won't like me. The production on this one it feels a little less glam. There's actually some some funky grooves on this album. Uh, I bit off more than I can chew, and can't trust love. Those are kind of funky. Were you, was this uh, purposeful? Did you guys want to step out of the box a tiny bit? Every album we did discuss its concept. Mm -hmm. And as you're going along and you're working, we're working nonstop. We're doing big concerts all around the world. You keep writing. There's a natural growth that happens, which Mm -hmm. was happening. Yeah. Um, Mike then went to America and soaked up Rufus and Stevie Wonder and all that kind of stuff. There you go. Came back. Ooh. I'd like to try to do that kind of vibe with you. Well, I'm from Detroit for Christ's sake. So you don't have to push me. No, you that. know where it came from. No, give me a break. So we started to do that kind of an album for the first time. We used horns. We used girl backing vocalists. It was a little bit departure. Um, great. A lot of people's favorite album, that one. That's a good one. And, and the uh, the album covers are killer too. These these The album covers of, of you and the band, or if it's just you, uh, on these early albums, it's just it's they're just great it mean it says rock and roll when you see them and then eventually well, we're... a lot of thought put to it and mickey was very instrumental mm-hmm. in that we had a good photographer garrett mankovitz and uh he did the first photos with me and we 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 still we still work together now wow that's great yeah hey, if something were if, if it ain't broke that's the truth that's the truth um i want to point out just so people know like your mama won't like me. Six of the 10 songs are written by you and Len. So I don't want, I don't want people listening or people that don't know you or know your career to think that everything that Susie Quattro recorded was a Mike Chapman written thing. You guys wrote tons and tons and tons of songs. They had the least of it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they did. In fact, Mickey most used to say something to me all the time. She used to say your songs that you write yourself, are the meat of you, which that, I get. That's great. Like Mike wrote a commercial, and I had the meat. Yeah. 
and that's okay. That's okay. It worked, you know. You can't kick that, you know. It it worked. It worked great. And one of the one of the meat songs on that album that I love that you and Len wrote is "Paralyzed." Oh, love it. Yeah, now that one made it live. I, I love that the songs I'm saying are ones you keep saying made it live because that's uh, yeah. that's yeah. the proof. That, that is the proof. And when do you sometimes when I interview people and I bring up a deep cut, like they'll be like, I don't, I don't even remember that song. But you you know everything I'm saying. You you are on it. Totally. <laughs> I'm 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 one of those rare rockers with a brain. <laughs> <laughs> I know we only have about 10 minutes, so I'm going to jump ahead a little bit to uh, 1977, Happy Days. We got Henry Winkler and the late, great Gary Marshall was in the documentary. And I um, think he was in there, yeah. Yeah, it was so cool. Um, Leather Tuscadero, was this, was this purposeful? Was this the way to introduce Susie Quattro to America? Was there any grand plan? To- I, I didn't think about that. Mm-hmm. What happened was... Um, but I always wanted to branch out. You know, mm-hmm. I've always wanted to do everything that my talent would allow me to do and the business would ask me to do. Right. If I feel I can do it, I want to do it. Yeah. Um, being the artist that I am, I didn't want to be, you know, in a box, never. And they, they called me in, in Japan and, and my, my publicist, Toby Mamis, he said he was on the film too. There's this opportunity here for you and I always wanted to act. And he said, this is a good one. So we, I went over there. And I auditioned and I got it. And I wasn't thinking anything further along about introducing me to America. Not at all. I yeah. just took the part. I took the part, you know, yeah. and it suited me. I got the, did you know, I got the second most fan mail after Henry. <laughs> That's great. Anyone with a leather jacket was getting the fan mail. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I mean... Yeah. <laughs> that was a, you know, as a kid, you know, it was, it was great when, when Leather Tuscadero came on, I think he did seven episodes total. You went on a date with Ralph Mouth. It was Leather in the, Leather in the Suede's. I mean, it's, um, you know, it's, a, it's an American sitcom, but I, I, I felt like you, um, like you were perfectly cast in that part, but I also felt like maybe this is the time that there was a, a little bit of a softening of Susie Quattro for America, because the next album uh, studio album is if you knew Susie and it's a very different album cover than the previous covers. It's, it's that just, was on purpose. Yeah. yeah, that was done on purpose. Mike decided, well, we all decided together. I mean, he came to the opening night of happy days and all that. And then we just, he had taken a year sabbatical, mm-hmm. um, wrote from Nikki Chen. And then we went to America. I got the happy days part. We all went out and we decided to work together again. And he said, you have a, always have had this nice, natural country element to your voice when yeah. you want to use it i really love that part of your voice we haven't used it yet what about now and we said yeah yeah why not change it up a little bit so he went away and wrote can't give me love so then you took the chances you made your advance 
great song and it's yeah. one of the evergreens one of the favorites around the world i love the album i love that it was different you can't just keep you know regurgitating the same right. thing and again and again it, it went to number 37 it goes to number 37 in the u.s so that it works yeah it was my mother's favorite album cover <laughs> <laughs> sure she wants her daughter to look feminine <laughs> i know <laughs> um but that, that was very short-lived <laughs> The, uh, the album kicks off with uh, Don't Change My Luck. So if you don't mind, I will simply explain that I found someone new and I'm living again. And the last thing I need is your sympathy. So try to understand. And please don't keep putting him down. Don't change my luck. It's a great song, and I just I love your vocal on that song. It's really cool. Yes, that was a good vocal, good good spotted, yeah. And of course, I like wiser than you. Do you like wiser than you? That is on my list too. That's a great one too. How was I supposed to know about the power of love? You were wiser and older than me. How you touched my heart, then you ripped it apart. You're very ballsy with your covers on this album. I mean, Tired of Waiting by the Kinks, uh, Breakdown by Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, just two years after they recorded it. And then on uh, on some versions, you tackle Born to Run. Yes. Bruce Springsteen's signature song, a song he can never not play. Bruce. <laughs> <laughs> and you don't change you don't change the gender on Wendy. Like I said to you when I was five and a half years old and I saw Elvis, mm-hmm. I don't do gender. 
Yeah, that's good. I, don't either. I don't. I will only pull my female card, which I keep in my back pocket when somebody steps out of line. Good. And then I pull it big time. What about if you get pulled over for speeding? Then do you pull it? I pulled the Susie Quattro card then. Okay. That's probably the better card to pull. That's the, that's the better card to pull. You know, it's a flood of the eyelashes. I can't do that. <laughs> then we get Susie and other four letter words. And then in 1980, you, you step into the eighties with rock hard. And it's like, you're, you're embracing the rock again. It includes uh, you get five songs that you and Len wrote and you, in state of mind, it's really great. risk of repeating myself that also made it live good <laughs> every song you've picked out has made it live. and i've so. never seen you live i would know i would That's never so. know this i'm just telling about songs oh that, no, it's great yeah these have hit me emotionally so it you know were you and len always writing at home was that was or when you got home did you leave did you leave work you know on stage or in the studio or when you were in the house together would you always be thinking and writing songs well i'm always creating lenny was more involved heavily at the beginning mm -hmm. like the first second album and by the time the third one came along i would stay home doing all the bulk of it giving me the ideas and he'd come home and listen okay you know? or sometimes he'd give me a bit for that so he kind of went backwards a little bit not that he didn't create but he wasn't as involved he would um, he would have some input and add but you were yeah, you yeah. say oh what about this 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 but um Certainly the first two albums, we wrote all those together. Yeah. On Canty, I might add. On Canty Wine. <laughs> sure. And what's the wine? What about now when you write? Do you do you have to have some wine or are you cool without it? Chateau Lafitte Rothschild. <laughs> <laughs> the documentary doesn't cover any any drug use or that. It did you weren't that wasn't your thing. No. No. Not at all. Just not me. Yeah. I am uh, I am a professional. Mm -hmm. Have a beer after the show. I'm doing this because I love it. I can't understand anybody who needs to get high to do this job. And doing the job is what makes you high. I don't, it doesn't compute. To right. Me. Yeah. The, the high is the, the performance and, and the, the making, making yeah. the art. Yeah. It's the edge going out there. You know, every, every audience is a different animal. You can't just rest on the fact that last night you killed him in Ohio. That's not going to work tonight. Right. No. You know, so you've got to go out to be on the top of your game and win every audience. I'm very serious about it. You saw my face change then. Very serious about it. I will go out there and give every ounce of me until I have every single person in that audience. And if there's one that isn't going, I will find you. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
Um, how many songs are in a Suzy Quattro live set in 2019 or 2020 or whenever? 22. I do okay. a two hour show with an interval. All right, good. I do piano. I play piano. I always do a ballad at the piano. I play drums because I play drums. I do a bass drum solo. I do some ballads. I do a lot of rock and roll. You get a real rounded. You know, somebody told me, um, a promoter promoted me last year. Big, iconic theater, 3,000 people seated, which, of course, I got them up the end. And he, he hadn't seen my show for a long time. And he said, you are a rock and roll entertainer. And I said, yeah. I'd never heard anybody put it like that, but yes, that that's correct. That's what I am. That's excellent. I love it. Again, just talking to you and talking about songs that are in the set list and all this, I'm like, if I don't get to see Suzy Quattro live in 2021 in the U S then I'm coming, yeah. I'm coming to the UK. No, you have to, I've got to get there. Everybody wants me there. I will get there. I feel it in my bones. How long have you lived in the UK? Since 1971, it wasn't planned that way. It just happened. Yeah, but I'm still. My whole kitchen has got Detroit all over it. And I saw the and I saw the pillows on the pillows on your couch are the American flag. Uh, And they're on every bed. The American flag plus pillows. I mean, I'm I am I am the American in London still to this day. Nobody in this country ever mistakes me for English. (laughs) Do you have dual citizenship? No. No. American passport. American passport. Okay. But so my kids have. Mm-hmm. Are you a citizen? But are you a citizen of the U.S. still? Yes. 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 Okay. I didn't want to change that. So how can you live there for this long? Because I married an Englishman, first of all. Oh, okay. Uh, there you go. All right. Yeah. So then they put a stamp in there, but and so I'm just I'm just a resident. And, and then your so. kids are born there. Yeah. Yeah. So there you go. All right. Cool. All right. Moving on. Um, real quick, I just want to talk uh, about, and this is a part that really perked my wife up during the documentary was. Annie, get your gun. Cause my wife is from a musical theater background and I had no idea that that was part of the Susie Quattro, um, oh, yeah. you know, uh, what do I want to say? Resume. And my wife was like, wow, she is nailing it. And now young lady, if you'll just step over there, I'll give you a lesson in marksmanship. <laughs> you couldn't give me a lesson in long distance spit. <laughs> Anything you can do, I can do better. I can do anything better than you. No, you can't. Yes, I can. No, you can't. Yes, I can. No, you can't. Yes, I can. Yes, I can. Folks are dumb where I come from. They ain't had any learning. Still, we're happy as can be. Doing what comes naturally. Doing what comes naturally. Folks like us could never fuss with schools and books and learning. Still, we've gone from A to Z. Doing what comes naturally. Doing what comes naturally. You don't have to know how to read or write when you're out with a feller in the pale moonlight. You don't have to look in a book to find what he thinks of the moon. And what he... How did you always want to do that? Yes. Unbelievable. And I always knew I could. And you did. Yeah. And I remember watching the documentary with, with KT Tunstall. She was here and we were done writing for the day. And I said, shall we wish she said yes. And she watched that part. She went, Oh my God. I said, what? She said, it's just so, it's just so, there's not even any of your moves in there. You're just, I said, well, I'm acting a part. Yeah. I know, but geez. (laughs) It's, it's quite, it's quite incredible. It's really like, 
that's what you want to be as an actor. You want to remove anything that's you and be that part. And when I watched that, I had to look like, I'm like, is that even her? What is going on here? It's incredible. But yet you could, but yet you could still see it was me. And, and, and the voice, the voice was incredible. And, and the eyes, the eyes are always shining. I did a part in, um, just, and I got to go in a second, just before I go, um, in uh, Dempsey and Makepeace, which was a big series here in England. Yeah. A male and a female cop. Okay. And I had to play a kind of unhinged lady who thinks that the male cop is in love with her and he's not, he can't give her the time of day, but she thinks. So she becomes obsessed with him and wants to kill him when she finds out he doesn't love her. So not a lot of dialogue. A lot of it is acting. Yeah. So I thought, how am I going to do this part? Cause I've got real mischievous face and very friendly face and very open and eyes, you know, sparkling. So I looked, I went upstairs to my bedroom and I looked in the mirror until I made the light in my eyes go out. Wow. And I used that look on the show. And it was scary. <laughs> scary. Please don't do it while I'm looking I'll at you right it. now. Your, I'm going to do it for you now. I'm going to run. Okay. Ready? I'm ready. Give me a okay. I'm laughing because it's so scary. <laughs> it's not nice. It's <laughs> It works, right? It does work. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> All right, Susie, look, thank you so much. You're so busy. And to give me an hour of your time and it's, we're, we're on different time period. You've been working all day. I really, really uh, enjoyed chatting with you. It's great to see you and um, continued success in everything. Let me just throw out, uh, you're on Twitter at Susie underscore Quattro. Your website is SusieQuattro.com. And, um, I am so excited. Instagram is, is Susie Quattro real. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm on everything. I do. I do a thought for the day. I had 50 base. Anyway, what I wanted to tell you before we go, was tell me congratulations because you actually did ask different questions. Good. That's what I always want. I don't Good want, boy. cause I don't want, I, I never want someone I'm talking to, to leave and think what that was a waste of time. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want well, that. I did, radio. I did radio for 14 years and I did a lot of interviews and because I'd done so many of myself, I knew what not to ask. Right. You know? Well, it's called respect for your subject. Look, I'm, I'm, I'm 100% all in on the Susie Quattro now. I am so excited that I have hundreds and hundreds of new music to listen to and continued right. success to you. I can't wait for the new Thank album you. and I can't wait get to meet. When that comes out, get back in touch. We'll do another one. Excellent. And I can't wait to meet you. So Susie, take care. Good night. Stay safe, healthy, and well, and we'll see you soon. Thank you. Bye-bye, Susie. Thank you. I really enjoyed it. Thanks. Oh, good. Thanks. Our love is alive. And so we begin. Foolishly laying our hearts on the table, stumbling in. Our love is a flame.
was alive.